0: I doubt myself. I doubt myself just as much as anybody else. And I know I I have my philosophy. I have my basis. I I really feel like with our kids, the key component is connection.
1: Hi, I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host for Work Like a Mother. A podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. Today, I'm really excited to sit down with Jamie Glowacki, a potty training and parenting expert whose former careers as a social worker and a circus performer make her uniquely qualified to deal with toddlers and poop. Her book, Oh Crap, is the number one best selling potty training book in the world. The other day, I had a realization. At this moment in my life, my universe revolves around poop. Between potty training with Hudson and introducing solid foods with Brooks, I seriously must think about it at least once an hour. Whether I'm cleaning it off a child or the floor, wondering when the last poop happened or when it might be coming or what consistency is. Poop is always on my mind. I never expected to find myself here. And to be clear, it's not what I want to be thinking about. So thank God I have Jamie's book to help me through this strange, gross, and challenging stage. I actually heard about her book before I even had kids. Some friends said it was their savior So I locked that nugget away knowing it would come in handy at some point later in my life. I am so glad I did. She has made this whole potty training process bearable with her one-two punch of practical advice and her outrageous sense of humor. You might say she's a bit of a legend in our house. So I was honestly a little starstruck to have her on the show. And what really stuck with me after our interview wasn't just how knowledgeable she is, which believe me with her years of social work and coaching hundreds of families, she knows more about this crap than I ever will, pun intended, but how human and how real she is. Just like all of us, she shared her doubts about whether she's making the right decisions in the moment and how hard it can be to repair your relationship with your child when you make the wrong one. She really reminded me that we're all trying to do our best for our kids. I hope you enjoy how she keeps it real and how funny she is. Welcome, Jamie. We're so excited to have you on Work Like a Mother. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I know you're most famous probably for your oh crap um, potty training book, but you actually have your roots in social work. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about that chapter of your career? Social work and circus.
0: (laughs) I was a circus performer before I was a social worker. (laughs) Well, let's start there. Um, and actually I had a little bit of fame for, um, singing on the trapeze, which was really funny because this was the late nineties and, um, I was performing in Europe with Cirque du Soleil and then I forget when it was, but pink came out in the Grammys and she was like on some sort of aerial equipment and she was singing and like my phone blew up globally. People were like, pink stole your act. And I was like, no, she's
1: pink. She can have (laughs) it. Um, I remember that Did, was she on. I'm trying to remember. Was she on Oh, She was on a hoop. Oh, okay, on a hoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, No, I was a social worker, and that's actually how I got my
0: chops as a potty trainer. So a lot of times people be like, "Oh, you're," you know, it's I don't know. Like, say I'm at a party, and people be like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm a potty training expert," and it's really funny because you don't want to be like, "Well, I have like the number one best selling potty training book." Like, you don't say that, you know, because <laughs> people and the people are like. We only have one kid. What makes you an expert? And, you know, which I think is really funny that any one person would base, would call themselves an expert based on their, just their own parenting. That's kind of right. weird. Um, even if you have seven kids, I don't know that you're, I don't, you know, you, you're a good parent, I'm sure, but I'm not sure that you're an expert. But um, I was a social worker in San Francisco and I worked with a dual diagnosed moms, meaning they had substance abuse and uh, mental illness. And um, I was not a mom at the time. I was in San Francisco, footloose and fancy free. I did, you know, I've always been the Pied Piper with kids. Um, I worked with them in a residential setting and I just, I was like, why are these kids like four and five in diapers? It made no sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew that they needed to be out of diapers, but I wasn't like a potty training pro or anything. So I just kind of asked a bunch of moms, like hundreds of moms, my mom's age. So for reference, I'm 52. So my mom is 75. And so I asked that generation of moms and it there was a clear thread there was a clear way to potty train you just kind of had to like you had to take out some of the abusive measures like make them sit in their poop for hours <laughs> oh well, you should just spank them and then <laughs> and I was like um yeah we don't do that anymore right uh, so and then I started to teach it at my job and again it wasn't a hot button it was just like guys come on your kids are too old diapers are expensive you all don't have a lot of money to begin with let's let's get these kids out of diapers So then what happened is, uh, I didn't think anything about it. It was part of my job, part of my salary. Uh, fast forward, I ended up having my son. I moved back to Rhode Island. Um, I stopped doing, I did social work when I first got to Rhode Island, but I didn't care for it. It, State by state, social work is different. Um, so I did tell my friends, uh, you know, Pascal turned 22 months and I was like, okay, guys, like I'm out, I'm out for a week. I got a potty train. And I didn't, I announced it just because it was like my mom's friend, you know, like my mom's group and right. everybody, I was hit with this wall of you can't potty train now that like, you have a boy. And it's like, I had not even heard, cause it's not on your radar till it's on your radar. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I was like hit smack in the face with this like potty training rhetoric that just wasn't true. And I was like, you guys are crazy. This is exactly when you potty train and boy or girl, it doesn't matter. Boys are easier cause they can pee anywhere. So I, um, I potty trained Pascal. And then I'm not kidding. He was famous. So we lived in Providence at the time and we would go to Whole Foods and people would be like, is that the baby? Is that the baby that's potty trained? And I was like, he's not a baby. He's a toddler. He's like 22 months. It was, I I was just, it was overwhelming. I I couldn't believe what people were making of it. So I, I, like I said, I had given up social work and I opened a secondhand kid's store And that's what I was doing for work. And I had like a back room where people did like baby yoga, music together, you know, these classes, stroller strides would meet if it was rainy, that kind of thing. So I started holding classes because I was like, everybody is clamoring. People are just stopping me for this information. So I started holding classes and they were selling out. Like it was crazy. And then people started to come into my store, like not to buy or sell clothes, but they were like, okay, I was on vacation. I missed your class. I need to know how to potty train. Now, what ended up happening too is this was a crux. Bit, um, Twitter and Facebook started to get popular around this time. So people wanted the Twitter fix. They wanted the trick. What's the trick? And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. What's the trick to walking? And they were like, well, there is no trick. Like you just, the kid practices I was like, a like, that's how you body train. So I got really overwhelmed too, with how many people wanted this like super quick fix. Um, so I, the people who couldn't get come to my class, I said, let me just write this down. I wrote down, like, bare bones, what it was, um, a fraction of what the book is now. Mm-hmm. And I put it online on the world's worst website. Like, I made it myself, and I didn't even know how to cut and paste. So, like, that just gives you a clue as to like how bad the website was. And it was just, it was seriously just to give people who couldn't make my class and it started to sell and it started to sell like wildfire. And then it started, pediatricians were calling me cause they were like, I don't potty train. Like, can I print this out for my waiting room? And then I started getting like emails from people who needed more help. And it was really interesting. Like quadruplets, um, aut- autism, various stages of autism and on the spectrum and sensory processing disorder. And, you know, more multiples. And so I just started getting like all these really interesting cases and, and working through them. And I don't know why I'm like the rain man of potty training. I, you know, yes, I've learned a ton along the way, but I'm so intuitive about it, even from the beginning. Um, And I have my own parenting struggles. It's just, this isn't one of them. <laughs> so um, from there uh, it just, it really just started to take off. And then I had to, I ended up selling my store because I couldn't do both. Right. <laughs> like clearly I was the potty training lady. And then I ran into a friend from high school who was like, Oh, what are you doing? I was like, dude, I'm selling this book on this crappy website. And he was looks at the website and goes, that's crappy. Can I help you? So he offers to no help pun intended. And... Yeah, seriously. <laughs> he offers to help. Oh, by the way, the name of the book is because of um, the look on parents' faces. It works. The double entendre works, but it's really about like, oh, crap. had to do this thing. <laughs> um, so we made the book. I knew people needed help. So we made the book $40. It was online. And then um, uh, it came with an online forum when forums were really, really big. Again, this is probably about 10 years ago. And That was crazy because I got to work with like modern moms. Remember, I worked with, I had asked, Mm -hmm. originally learned how to potty train from moms who didn't have Facebook, who didn't have answering machines, who didn't have jobs. There wasn't a market for kids. We stayed home and made mud pies. There was no music together. There was no swim class. There was no gymnastics class. So it was a totally different thing. Dads came home at five o'clock on the nose. You know, moms had dinner on the table for the most part. So it was really interesting to get to work with the modern parent. And then it just went through all these other iterations. And finally, it it was like, I actually was self-publishing on Amazon with like a print book and an agent from New York city called and they were like, you're blowing up New York. We got to get you a book deal. So then that started that process in 2014. So, so now I'm with Simon and Schuster.
1: It's amazing. I heard about, Your book, while I was pregnant with my first, (laughs) and we went to visit friends who were in the throes of potty training, and unprompted, they said, "You have to go out and get this book right now, and you'll have it. You're not ready. You're not there yet, but you'll have it when you're when you're ready." And it stuck with me. And now my son is almost three, um, and so we've been potty training this summer, and your book is just such, not only is it so informative, but it makes me laugh. I laugh out loud reading your book. <laughs> it is so approachable. It's so funny. I didn't think, I, I had that attitude of, oh, we got to do this. It feels daunting <laughs> yeah. and scary and overwhelming. And you make it, dare I say, enjoyable um, to go through the process because it's not only your humor, but you answer every question or we've faced a challenge and a setback and how you're there, you know, yeah, exactly yeah. what to do and are, are telling, telling us. So it's incredibly helpful. But what sticks with me is just how funny it is. And the laughter that I think you got to be
0: funny. And I curse a lot. Like I curse in the book, I curse a lot on like my Facebook lives. And I, because like, this is, it's hot. And I think I'm also honest. I'm like, this is miserable. This sucks. Like there's not one person who's like, yeah, you potty training. You know what I mean? Like that first day I'm like, let me be clear. This, this day is going to suck more than anything you've ever, ever experienced. (laughs) But (laughs) you know, so I feel like that's it too. Yeah. I, and I do, I love that. I think it's the highest compliment I get is people say like, I feel like you're just on my shoulder talking right to me, you know, because I don't, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot savant about this. I don't ever want to be that expert that's like high horse, you know, because right. I regularly get kicked off my high horse daily in parenting. So it's not <laughs> I don't have any
1: high horses. Well, and, and that's so refreshing to hear. Your your book, your podcast, everything is very real talk and that makes you feel very approachable. Um, but it's interesting to hear now in our conversation today, you've mentioned twice. Sort of, you know, you're not perfect. You have struggles. You right. fall. You, you're not on your high horse um, every day as as a parent. What are some of the struggles and and challenges that you faced as a parent? Um, I couldn't get my kid out of my bed
0: forever. Um, so like, and then I stopped caring. That's how I took. It. <laughs> I didn't fix the problem. I just stopped caring about the problem. <laughs> um. Yeah. My son's a teenager now. So now we have, I mean, I don't know how far into my podcast, you know, season two is on Patreon, but um, you know, there's all kinds of different problems that come with a teenager and, and sexual feelings and all that and crushes and, you know, and, and I know what he's going through hormonally, but still it doesn't make it all that fun to deal with in the moment when you get attitude or, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I think, I think that, I mean, just like, I doubt myself. I doubt myself just as much as anybody else. And I know I, I have my philosophy. I have my basis. I, I really feel like with our kids, the key component is connection. And that goes for potty training. Like if you can stay just connected with the kid you have, the kid you love, I think what happens with potty training, and we're seeing this now in distance learning and kind of the homeschooling boom that's mm-hmm. happening right now, is parents, this is the first thing you're like really teaching your kid. So before this, like kind of anything goes, it's not like you were like, okay, today we're going to walk and this is what we're going to do. But potty training is that, like you have to kind of rip the bandaid off and you have to jump into it. And so parents, you know, you'll be like, Hey, Pascal, what are we going to do today? Today's fun. And then all of a sudden you're this different person who's super high strung and you're like, today we're going to potty train and it's going to be great. And by the way, this is also what's probably going wrong with your homeschooling right now. <laughs> like Today, we're going to learn shapes, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but parents are running into that problem, too. And it's your teacher voice. You take on, you separate from your kid, and you're like, now I'm going to impart great wisdom upon you, and you shall listen to me and do it my way. And that doesn't work. So parents get disconnected. And mm-hmm. I think part of potty chaining, um, one of my number one rules is do not post on Facebook that you are going to start potty chaining because you're going to get 64 conflicting remarks. Mm -hmm. I don't know why this milestone makes everybody a freaking expert, but it does. And people will be like, well, I have three kids and this is how you do it. And like the hubris of thinking, you know, all the children in the world because you have three is astounding to me, but... (laughs) Um, but what happens is parents get too they're overwhelmed with information. And that's my parents and and her, my mom and her friends think I'm running the biggest scam in the world. They're like, who the hell needs potty training help? And I was like, everybody. They like, <laughs> This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I was like, no, 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 this is an industry. Like <laughs> But yeah. it was so not a problem. You know what I mean? Um But I think what happens is that, uh, and I tell them all the time, I said, listen, you didn't grow up in the age of the internet. You didn't have kids in the age of the internet. Parents today suffer from overwhelm. That's all. There's so much information coming at you and you probably overloaded yourself on potty training information. And I tell people, I don't care if you use my book, use any book, but come with a plan and don't deviate from that plan. Don't try to gather more information because you're only going to muck it up. And then that's part of the thing that disconnects you from the kid. So you get disconnected because you're like, what did the, what did this one say? And what did that one say? Instead of being like, wait a minute, I got you. I can see in your eyes that you need to, you know what I mean? Like when you lock in and connect with your kids. So, you know, to answer the broader question is like that's my basis of all parenting. So with my son, it's like, how do I connect? How do I connect as a teenager so we can talk about all those hard things so that, so that I can, you know, withstand the attitude and the rejection of me, because there's a huge rejection going on. And that's what happens with three year olds too, is a mini rejection of you because they've just figured out they're by you know, they're their own person, which is the psychological process called individuation. You know, that the individuation is why I have a time frame for potty training for twenty to thirty months, because after three, they hit that stage. Um, three, three and a half has become our cultural norm for potty training right now. But it's really difficult for most people because your child goes through that individuation process. That's It's earmarked by no power struggles and three major, right? Like we know the three major exists because they're like, ah! you know, all of a sudden you are not the greatest person. In fact, if you say blue, I'm going to say red just because you're my mom. So they have that. Now imagine putting pee and poop on top of that. That's a disaster. It's a disaster because let me be very, 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 very clear. You will never win a potty training potty str- um, power struggle. Your child holds the power, literally. They will never hold power like this over you ever again in their lives. Mm-hmm. Like to have a kid poop right in front of you, looking you in the eye is the biggest hue you can ever imagine that's one of the things, you know what I mean? So that you have to recognize that like after three, maybe they'll have some more cognitive ability, but they also have that manipulative ability too. So, so just to kind of ease into the, my, my least favorite term, I'm going to wait till they're ready. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I, I mean, you have such great tips for this and in the book. Um, but that also that, it's hard, I think, as parents to walk away and to let go and to say, okay, I'm going to give you space. Like, you know what you need to do. And here it is. And it's your choice. And we're not going to like, force you to sit on the potty. We're not going to stand there and bribe you and do all of these things. Like, it's your choice. You're your own person. Now you're in charge of your body You do you. The giving space is really hard throughout all of childhood,
0: because I think what happens again—it's the information overload. Never before in history has a a parent's personal identity been so hinged on their child's behavior, Um, and part of that is because we're filmed. Like I know, like I know so many parents who give into a tantrum in the supermarket because they don't want to be on YouTube. They don't want to be the next viral Facebook live video. Do you know what I mean? So we really do have like a thought of that at all. Yeah. So like, and then we have the the too much information. So like every, there's so much blame, like your kid came into the world with their own DNA. Studies show that parenting is like 10% of, like, what goes wrong with kids? Like, <laughs> it's like there's so many other factors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, of course we want to be the best parents we can be. But my advice, like, whenever I close out a podcast, people go, okay, what's the one thing you want to leave people with? And I say, this is not a measurement of your parenting. That's why they get, in, the kid, they, they get into negotiating, bribing, standing over the kid because the kid's got to do it right. Because if they don't do it right, they're a failure. If they're a failure, I'm a failure. And again, that's why you don't post on Facebook because now tomorrow you got to post on Facebook
1: that your kid's sucking at it. Like who wants to write that on Facebook or Instagram, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, you started, when we just started talking about this, you also said how you have moments of doubt as your as a parent yourself. Um, yeah. What do you do in those moments of doubt? How do you regain your confidence?
0: Um, I usually, well, number one, I have to get away from my child. Like I can't do it in the thick of it, you know? So I, and I encourage parents even at really young ages, get used to a parental timeout, which is just acquaint your child with like, I can't, I don't want to say mean things. My head's very confused. I'm going to go take some space. Hmm. Um, It can be really hard to do that when your kid's in the throes of themselves starting to deregulate. Um, So that might look like a quiet meditative space together. Like, okay, you can sit in my lap, but we're going to be quiet and maybe listen to a song or something like that. Um, I'd say the biggest problem we have in parenting today is we have parents are faking And I'm going to get back to my doubt in a second, but parents are faking their emotions in the moment and then they're, they're bottling it in and then their steam valve that explodes. And so I have a podcast episode on this called Psycho Mom and it's my most popular um, episode because we're all just trying to do the, the Janet Lansbury really calm and like, okay. I understand all your struggles and you got this three-year-old being a little dick right in front of you. And you're like, Oh my God. And you try that all day long. And then by four o'clock, you're like, and when you, when you go psycho mom, you are dysregulated as a parent. So number one, you're not teaching real emotions. You're not teaching real strategies. You're teaching fake your emotions till you blow up your kids watching that and learning that your kid is, um, you're also not titrating. you got to titrate the real feelings. You know what I mean? Um, and, and then the real danger comes into when you lose it like that. You start catastrophic speaking, which is you always, you never, you never pick up your toys. That's not true. Your child picks up their toys sometimes, maybe rarely, but they do. Mm. So that, and that's where that kind of psychological damage that we all fear Mm-hmm. that's where that starts to 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 eat away at your relationship. So when I'm in doubt um and it depends again like there there's um bigger there's bigger issues now. You know what I mean? And so you got to have a couple girlfriends. Like if you don't have girlfriends and they don't have to be mom friends, but you've got to have some friends to bounce stuff off of. Like I would be lost without two of my girlfriends who are like no, 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 you're not overreacting. Or, you know, let me remind you of how you really feel about this particular thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just I think bouncing it off of people is key, but not on Facebook, like a really, you know, close friend. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I think when it comes down to when I doubt myself, again, I just I really land back on connection. Like how can I and I put Pascal's 14, so we can really talk about things, you mm-hmm. know, with your three year old, I would encourage not over talking. Yeah. Like take your space, forgive really easily. So like, if you're in doubt about what just went down, forget about it, just jump off of it and be like, Hey, let's play with Play-Doh. Let's go out and play in the snow. Let's go play a game. You know what I mean? So you can reconnect because you want to connect before you correct anyway. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what happens with parents is they're in doubt that an interaction went messy and then they want to clean it up. But remember your three-year-old is not processing the way you would process and they're also way more forgiving and resilient. Like they're like, okay, I love you now. Like, right. They're, they're over it. You know, like it's us that is like, Oh, I need to repair this. <laughs> just, just come back and connect. Yeah. So that's, that's what I do when I'm in doubt. I but I think taking space is the biggest.
1: Yeah. Taking that. I love that. What was the phrase that you just used parental timeout? Yeah. I don't love time, I don't like timeouts for kids. I don't like punitive timeouts.
0: I like time away where the child can go settle their body and they can play and be out mm-hmm. of the stimulus of the mix. But um but I don't like punitive timeouts at all. I think they're abandoning um you know, I think they're go away, don't have your feelings in front of me.
1: Right. And I don't I don't like that. I only like you when you're
0: Yeah, and
1: happy, and if if there is that burst of emotion, I'm going to put you in a different place. Yeah, you know what else is really interesting about that, Bridget, is I work with a lot of clients
0: on that particular thing because we're in a. I mean, I'm assuming we have similar parenting styles, you know. Like, talk about your feelings. We want emotionally mature kids. We want kids Mm -hmm. who are kind um, and empathic. And it's really funny because of course I attract those kinds of people and they want this emotional wisdom, but they won't let their child have a big feeling. And Mm -hmm. so the minute the child has a big feeling, they rush to correct it. And that's, you know, we know we're ending up with an entitled generation because of that. And so they rush to correct it or they rush to banish it. And then it's Mm -hmm. like you, but you're not, you know, you're not validating the emotion, actually validating the emotion is like, Hey, why don't you go take some space in your room? Here's a box of tissues you're having some big feelings. Let's let let all the feelings out, you know, not, not, not trying to change it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we have parental distress, distress, tolerance, distress is what I work on a lot with clients. It's like, it's okay for your kid to fall out. It doesn't Mm -hmm. make you a bad parent. It doesn't like they're, they have like janky nervous systems right now. Like everything's huge. And you know, so we have to have more parental uh, distress tolerance.
1: Well, and there's so many opportunities to learn more about our kids as well. Um, as you're talking about this, it's reminding me actually related to potty training. Um, Hudson is my almost three-year-old and he had a he pooped in his pants and my husband was trying to clean him up and it was very frustrating. He's wiggling everywhere. Like poop is about to go all over the bathroom, like heightened in stress and anxiety Everything heightened, right? on everybody's <laughs> side. And he was really upset and he um, went was in his room and he plays bristle blocks to help him calm down. That's like a, a, oh, nice. a very calming yeah. uh, activity for and him. Very tactile. Yes. Yeah. And when I started talking to him about it and saying how you you seem really upset, um, you know, like just starting to engage in the conversation, he said, um Well, I was upset because daddy was mad at me. And I said, why was daddy? Why do you think daddy was mad at you? And he said, because I didn't poop in the potty. And so I, I, that it totally just caught me off guard because I had no idea that that's where his headspace has gone. And that wasn't the situation at all. It was because he was trying to clean up. And that was the part that was frustrating for daddy, not
0: the yeah. fact that you
1: didn't make it to the potty in time. And so it was this moment where I really had to step back and say, wow, I think I know what's going on in your head, husband," yes. and I don't. And I really yes. don't. And that's part of the connection is trying to understand exactly where their headspace might be and what's happening to. Her. And it's never what you think
0: it is because they don't have, yeah, they're not going to pick up on the social cues. They don't have the range, you know, Um, and that's why I think it's so good. Those behavior, um, they're like smiley face charts and they have, you know, not just happy and mad, but like frustrated, disappointed. We want to start layering that to give our kids that emotional wisdom because there's different flavors, you know? Um, but at this age too, you know, I tell, I tell my clients, especially like three and under is you're really working with that, the crying, laughing emoji and the, the steaming mad. Like that's how black or white they are, like three and under. It's like, you know, everything's big or everything's little. Like there's not a whole lot of gray,
1: you know. Right. That nuance isn't there yet. Right. One question that I ask everyone on the podcast is what advice would you give to your pre-mom self? Sleep. Just prioritize sleep. Like I'm able to prioritize it now because my
0: kid's a teenager, but it is a nutrient. And if it, it's the fastest way to crazy, it's the fastest way to shitty parenting, sleep. Um, I would like, I feel like this is the question, like now that my kid's 14, I'm 52, I'm going through menopause, so I'm not going to have another baby, but I feel like oh, I'd be the best mom now because I wouldn't care so much. I'd put that kid on my back and I'd live my life exactly as I live it now with a teenager. So that's what I would advise, stop buying the shit up crafting things just for the kid like live life with your kid, not at the mercy of your kid. Do you know what I mean? And I was that mom. I mean I was doing the crafts and the food Nazi and you know, um so that's and I I would buy like seven onesies for a newborn and mm-hmm. that's it. And like a couple of pairs of socks cause they lose them. <laughs> like I would totally not do any of that crap, you know? Um yeah, but th- I think that's it. Yeah, I just not care so much. Be so invested because I, I can see now it's all well and good that I'm telling you guys to not be, hinge your identity on your child, but I was just as guilty of it, you know? And I was just as guilty of like, I remember my mom like saying, who cares if so-and-so thinks you're a bad mom? But to me, I was like, she probably thinks I'm a bad mom. And my mom was like, i want to fuck off, who cares? And I'm like, who cares? Everybody cares. (laughs) It was so important to me that, I was viewed as a good mom. Yeah, I think it's just really indicative of how the generations have changed and also how parenting has gotten so hard for us. You know, like we have to, we examine everything. So yeah,
1: that's so true. And thinking of when we were just talking about entitlement too, or just modeling for children in in general, when we don't show them that it's okay to fail or that we mess up too and own up to it and say to them, hey, I messed up. I forgot yeah. this, or I'm sorry, I lost my temper. That happens in life where we're not setting realistic expectations for them either. Thank you so, so much. Uh, it is wonderful to talk to you, to learn from you, to hear your story. And I hope you have a wonderful day today. Me. This is fun. Have a great one. thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Garsh and this is work like a mother. I'm excited to share another amazing working mama story with you next week. But before I go, I have a quick favor to ask. Please help us spread the word by giving us five stars on Apple podcasts. It's the best way for more working moms to discover our show. Thanks and have a great week.